0: All right, so in today's video, continuing on with our sports med unit, uh, we're looking at the dot point sports policy and the sports environment. So remember, the focus of this critical question is looking at how certain policies and certain uh, things that we do in, in sport protect our athletes and enable them to continue participation for a very long time. So in this stop point specifically, we're gonna look at what are the rules and regulations in sports, and not only about the way that sport's played, but about the equipment and the environment that is uh, sport is played on or played in uh, to help protect athletes and therefore, you know, reduce risk of injury and enable them to participate well. So let's get to it. Okay, so our first one, um, looking at sports while in the sports environment, is rules of sports and activities. Okay, so what is the purpose of actually having rules in sport? They have two roles. Okay, the first one is obviously to protect the athletes, and the second one is to enable smooth gameplay. Okay, so you can think of any sport that you want, the rules are there for one, so that athletes don't get hurt and they're able to continue to play, but two, to make sure that the game actually flows a lot of the time um, especially in like juniors when you look at PE classes for example kids don't want to learn the rules they just want to get in and play the game but then the whistle is being blown all the time because they're not following the rules because when they don't follow the rules the game doesn't run well rules need to be enforced by referees okay on the field themselves and then sports bodies and organizations which are above um, the game who make the rules and also um, tell the referees that they need to enforce these because when rules aren't enforced then you know, if the athletes don't see that there's a consequence for the rule being followed, then they'll just break it all the time. It's basic human nature. Sports with an increased chance of injury have increased rules for safe participation, all right? So you, know, you look at something like rugby league, which is gonna be my example in a minute. Rugby league has lots and lots of rules, like hundreds of rules, as opposed to something like table tennis, which has a lot less rules. Generally because, I mean, one, yes, there are more people on the field, but if you just look at the sport and sport context, there is more chance of injury happening in rugby league as there is from something like table tennis or swimming even, you know? It doesn't matter what sports you pick. You can clearly see that there's sports that have higher risk of injury. So any type of team sports, especially whether it's tackling involved or objects involved, they're gonna have more rules than sports that don't have those things. Now coaches and trainers, so coaches are responsible for, to educate their players on the rules of the sport and to promote safe and fair play, like I'm sure we've all seen a movie or you may have all heard of a coach who's like, oh, you know, don't worry about the rule, just go and hit him, hit him hard, you know, or, or whatever, and that's, you know, dirty play or whatever you want to say, but that's not cool, okay, it's not cool because it does endanger the athletes on the field and it does make the sport or it does tarnish the sport's image. So it does come back to the coach to make sure all players are aware of the rules and to make sure that all players play by the rules. So if a player, for example, doesn't play by the rules, that coach has the power to and probably should drop that player for a week or two. You know, enforce their own team consequences so that that player knows that what is expected and what they're meant to be doing. And this is just following on from that, that previous point. So rules must have consequences when broken. Um, and I'll demonstrate all that now in this example. So rugby league is going to be my example for this. So rugby league has a lot of rules, but specifically a head high and a spear tackling rule. Okay. The idea behind this is not to make the sport less fun. Okay. It's to promote safety. Okay. Yes, you are going to tackle the players to stop them running the ball. But at no point should you endanger someone's spinal column. Uh, you should know by now that your spinal column is, uh, you know, the bone structure that protects your nervous system from your brain to the rest of your body. And if that becomes injured or severed, then severe, like life-debilitating injuries, can occur. Hence the rule. Okay, um, breaking the rule comes with match suspension. So it's generally one or two matches, depending on how bad it is. Okay, if it's deliberate, then it gets uh, longer. Okay, up to you know, half a season or a season. And unfortunately, my example, which is still quite relevant and recent, is the Alex McKinnon story. So he was involved in a spear tackle um, and is now a quadriplegic. So that's very sad. Very sad for Alex, very sad for his family, for his friends. Um, Yeah, because if you, you rewind back to that night when he was playing, if the players on the opposing team didn't spear tackle him, none of this would have happened, okay? His whole life has now changed because of a broken rule. So yeah, that's why we do rules, sports and activities. You go, well, why didn't you just let go of the ball and put your hand down? I mean, that's the way I think. This was the moment. I just stood and looked at the telly and said, get up, Alex. Please get up, sweetheart. Alex McKinnon's life. It was just a click and everything just stopped. Changed forever. Like a winter's night, it's just silent and that's just cold. Someday, for the first time... The most beautiful athlete you've ever seen. 22 years old. How he almost called it quits. And I said, you can't leave me, darling. You're my life. The woman who saved him. What is she going to do? She loves you like far. You say um, that Tegan loved me still. Yeah. How can you go from loving someone for them getting injured and then say I don't love them anymore? The mates who stood by him. Yeah, he's one of your brothers. Sounds like you love him, really. Yeah, I do. You get like that when you when you spend enough time with someone. Please, rise for Alex. Well I wear this band still. And I'll take it off the day that we realise he won't walk again or he will walk. And the ultimate goal? Up first go. You beauty. To walk again. You took her hand? I did. And you said? Will you marry me? And take the love of his life? Hopefully, I can achieve it one day. Down the aisle. We'll keep prolonging the wedding till we do. (laughs) Sunday, after the voice on 60 Minutes. Okay. So the next one is modified rules for children, so a lot of this stuff is going to be rehashing your previous dot point on um, looking at children and young athletes and if you can't remember that stuff maybe you should go back and look at that video again or at least your notes. So remember that children are not little adults and their developmental stage in life means that they come with certain needs. The rules that we have in place for children and young athletes and the games that they play promote their participation. So we're trying to get them to love the sport for a lifetime of participation. So we encourage that participation and decrease injury. So decreasing injury, all rules are designed to do that, but specifically for children, the rules align with their specific health and developmental needs. And you know, like I said, you need to go back to your notes and have a look at that stuff if you cannot remember. So examples of modified rules for children and how they align with um, their life stage. So our first one is a reduced court and field size, okay? You should know that fatigue, so cardiovascular fatigue, is one of the main reasons why injury occurs because when you're tired, you don't you can't think straight, your muscles are weak, etc., you have a higher chance of injury or doing something incorrectly, which increases your injury. So by reducing the court and field size, you're not making the kids run as far, the same amount as adults would, to get to the goal scoring line. So less fatigue reduces injury. Reduce ring and post height. Now this one is developmental focused and it promotes participation, okay? Um, a lot of kids, like I look at Ivy, who's four and a half. If she was to start playing netball, so um, she can start, I think when she's five, uh, playing, you know, kid netball. If she was to play netball and shoot at a normal ring height, she would never get the ball in, ever, okay? She's not that strong. Most kids will not be able to do that at all. And it's not fair that only one or two kids can score. So to promote participation and make netball fun so that then they play netball for the next 10, 15 years, they reduce the ring and post height. And then just slowly over the years and the grades, they get higher until you're at normal height. Our next one is morning and afternoon sports. So you may remember that children have a very hard time with thermoregulation. Um, So by playing sport early in the morning or late in the afternoon, it reduces those thermoregulation issues. Equipment is modified itself, so the equipment is generally lighter. So kids aren't using, you know, fully weighted bats. They're usually um, made from lighter material. They're smaller in size. So they're lighter in general, um, or they're hollow. Um, and this is developmental once again because you don't want to have kids getting fatigued from using equipment they need to do in their sport. And our last one is in like not extreme circumstances, but a lot of the time you have complete game changes. So instead of kids playing cricket kids will play kangaroo cricket so kangaroo cricket all of the equipment is modified um the pitch batting size is smaller the field size is smaller and there are some other rules too which make it um different so it's not just giving them a plastic bat instead of a wood bat and saying it's normal cricket because it's not another one is like three by three basketball so this is um really come in in the last few years it's a it's a new emerging sport um so instead of having five on five playing each other it's three by three and the court size is um half-court size. So that promotes participation and also reduces the chance of fatigue. So yeah, there's are some good examples for modified rules for children. <music> Alright, so our next one is looking at the matching of opponents and how this can promote safe participation. So opponents, um, especially up to a certain age category, are generally matched by age, under 12s, under 13s, under 14s, under 15s, etc. However, Especially in contact sports, opponents probably. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> wow. Opponents should probably be matched by development or by just by development, all right? And I'll show you, I'll insert a video here if I can um, of a rugby league matching gone wrong. Up, up, And it actually, it wasn't gone wrong. It's just that they're all matched by age. And it's clearly not fair. It's not fun. It's not fun for the other team. Um, it's not fun for anyone else on that team because they probably don't get any ball time at all. Um, and it's not safe. So matching should or could occur by size, by strength and by motor skills. So, you know, depending on how tall they are or how much they weigh, how strong they are or basically how fast they can run, etc. By matching by these things instead of just by age, we promote safe participation. So the example, Matching in league and specifically in boxing, okay. Boxing is done by weight category um, and league is based on development a lot of the time rather than age itself. But in junior years, we still do see age matching, which is a bit sad. The other way that we, that we can do this appropriately is by grading, okay. You play A grade, B grade, C grade, or grade one, grade two, grade three, etc. So grading um, matches opponents by their skill and by their development r- rather than their age, okay and grading is very good in non-contact sports Um, and then contact sports it's probably better to do it by size strength development etc so that's matching of opponents all right so next one is looking at use of protective equipment so protective equipment should be used in and it is very effective in the prevention of injury okay Um, we know that if you prevent an injury from occurring, then it's better than having to cure or treat an injury after it has occurred. So protective equipment should be comfortable. It should allow airflow so that you don't experience other issues such as thermoregulation problems or heat stroke when wearing it. And it should also protect other players too. So that means that when you put a piece of protective equipment on, it doesn't just protect you and endangers other players further. You know, for example, putting shoulder pads on, they've got spikes on them, That's, that's just dumb. Unless you're a wrestler, of course, that's, that's cool. Protective equipment, a lot of the time, is mainly voluntary, all right? Some sports enforce the wearing of certain items of protective equipment, that's better. Man, need enough coffee. It should be encouraged to be worn. Um, by coaches and trainers and then if you're a child, your parents should encourage you to wear it. Okay? It doesn't make you weak or it doesn't make you, um, I don't know, insert word that means weak. I was thinking of a bad word but I can't say that on a video. Um, it doesn't make you those type of things if you wear protective equipment. Okay? There's nothing wrong with it and you shouldn't be shamed for doing it. Now, Protective equipment overall does have three distinct roles. Uh, and you probably need to be able to give an example for each of these, which I've got over here. So protective equipment can either A, absorb force, B, deflect contact, or C, restrict movement, and all of these things can prevent injury occurring. So for regulating, enforcing protective equipment, I've got two examples for you. So compulsory mouthguards are in league, so if you don't have a mouthguard, you can't take the field and play and compulsory shin guards in hockey, all Right? The referees actually do stand there and they check when you get on the field. If you don't have them on, you're off, put them on, then you can come back on. And if you don't have any well, bad luck, your team just plays a player short if you don't have any subs. So they are compulsory things to promote safe and fair participation. Now, examples for absorbing, deflecting, and restricting. Absorbing force, pads in cricket, okay? Yes, you're gonna get hit in the legs with a cricket ball and a cricket ball is very hard and it can be coming quite fast. So the pad absorbs the force, it doesn't stop it happening, okay. but all it does is that when it hits the pad, it shouldn't transfer too much force to the person that it hurts you. The next part is deflecting, deflecting blows. So as opposed to absorbing, because for things to absorb force, they need to be quite bulky and large, hence cricket pads. Deflecting force, it g- knows that you're going to get struck by a force, um, but you don't want something bulky in at place. So what it will do is that when it hits it, it hopefully deflect, so when you are struck in the chest, so my example here is a chest guard in fencing, they wear like a a star-plated chest guard here. So when the sword strikes the chest, instead of it being absorbed there, what it will do is it, because of the angles that this is occurring at, it strikes and it goes off to the side, it strikes and go off to the side. So you don't actually get the full force of the blow. And our last one is restricting movement to promote um, or to prevent injury. And a common example is one in studs in footy boots, all right? If you've got studs in your football boots, it's going to reduce the chance of you rolling ankles, um, especially when you're um, turning and doing agility type maneuvers, um, especially with twisting knees and all that kind of stuff. So that's protective equipment. All right, so our last one is safe grounds, equipment and facilities. So this is the last dot point uh, or the last dash on the sports policy in the sports environment. And this stuff, is a given or it should be a given okay players should be able to focus on their performance so when they go to do their sport they should focus on their sport rather than be concerned about receiving an injury because of this stuff all right it should be assumed that injury does not occur from unsafe grounds undermaintained facilities or compromised and broken equipment for example grounds themselves so we're talking about courts ovals etc they should be free from holes and divots, or if you're in a court, um, you know, broken bitumen, that kind of stuff. Any post pads that are installed should be well maintained so they're not gonna fray or break when you do make contact with them. And they should be installed correctly so that when you do make contact with them, they stay on the post, they don't just slide off. Equipment itself that players are using should be well maintained. And if it's not well maintained or if it is starting to fall apart, it should be replaced if compromised. Good examples are splintered bats. So if you've got a cricket bat, baseball bat, hockey, stick, any, any implement like that, and it is showing signs of weakness, it should be replaced, you shouldn't use it, okay? Um, Another one is cracked helmets. Uh, something that people, a lot of people don't know is that bike helmets that cyclists wear, or even that you can just get from Big W, Kmart, et cetera, and you wear when you go bike riding, or that you should wear when you go bike riding. They're designed to fall and hit the ground once. If you've ever seen cars in crashes, um, you know, basically cars these days will completely crumple in, a, in an accident, but where the driver and the passengers sit, that should remain pretty much intact, okay? Because it's what it's doing, it's absorbing forces all around it. The same thing works with bike helmets. A bike helmet is designed to basically crumple and crack and crash in an accident so that it absorbs all the force and the force is not transferred to the skull. So if you do drop your bike helmet, um, it needs to be replaced. And our last one, facilities. So facilities should be kept up to standard, all right? This is the reason why you pay Um, you know, grounds fees or court hire fees and all that kind of stuff. It's meant to keep the grounds and the courts um, in well-maintained position and also look after the facilities. So like athletes playing a game of league or soccer on the weekend, they should have access to running fresh water, okay? They should be able to sit in in the grandstand and wait for their turn to be subbed on or off without fear of it actually collapsing and then them hurting themselves, all right? I know these sound like silly things, but they're legitimate points for this dash. And overall, that is our video on sports policy and the sports environment. Thanks, bye.